Covenant is power. Now, here's a statement that is short and it's concise, but it is filled with truth. Not only in the physical realm, but also in the realm of the spirit. So hear this statement. This is a verse that many people read over, go very quickly. We've used it many times, but I don't know if we really see the power, the implication of what it really means. Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? This is an important maxim. This is important truth. The Lord showed me this yesterday, how important this statement is. Because you see a team of horses that's working in the field if they are not working together, if they're not pulling together, then they're pulling against one another and they'll never get the job done. Amen. A marriage will only work if the participants will work in concert, yes, in harmony. It has to be in harmony. You have to be agreed. Say that, I have to be in agreement. Now hear this. The only way a person can be successful in this life and in the next life, because there is another one, trust me, Amen. in this life and the next, is when we walk in agreement with God. And that's why he took me to that verse. I never read it that way before. I've always assumed it was between me and my wife or me and Pastor Kenny or me and Dr. Carrier. We were in agreement. But he said, oh, no, that, that's great and that's true. But the real crux of the, of the, or the truth here you need to see is if you're not walking in agreement with me, nothing good can happen. So what is covenant? Covenant is walking in agreement with God. So I said the only way a person can be successful in this life and in the next is when they walk in agreement with God. And the walk of agreement is found in the blood covenant. Now, we all know about the cross. We'll cover that later. We all know about what Jesus did on the cross. He was the supreme sacrifice, and he shed his precious blood, which is a covenant like none other. But when we talk about covenant, we talk about blood covenant, it's the most powerful and binding contract on the planet Earth. And it's not just a biblical thing. It was in all tribes, all nations, all kindreds and tongues understood the blood covenant. Because you'd see on the movies, the Indians say, we're blood brothers. And they'd cut their hands or they cut their arms and put them together. That was a contract. Amen. And it was more than just, hey, we're blood brothers. We're blood. No, it's more than that. And I'm going to show you. Because what it means is, if I transgress this relationship I forfeit my life. Now we're talking a real agreement. I'll forfeit my life. That's how important this contract is. But it's the most binding, powerful contract on the planet Earth. It's a blood covenant that can only be released through or by death. But God made a decision one day. He so wanted a relationship and he wanted somebody to bless. That's God's nature. He wants to bless. 
People that tell me that God is a, a, judge, a, a vengeful God, no, no, no. He is a loving God. And he's a God that's looking out, wanting to bless you. So God made a decision that he would cut a blood covenant with Abraham. God was saying with the action that I'll read here in just a moment, I will not change. So if you think God will change, he will not. But you don't understand, Bishop. I've, been, I've lived such a life that God cannot accept me. I'm going to say it again. God will not change. If he said, I love you, that did not change. If he said, I've forgiven you, that will not change. If he said, I've written your name down in glory, that will not change. If he says, I've given you a place called heaven, that will not change. If he says, Brother Perez, you're healed, get ready. You're healed. The problem is we put words in God's mouth. I don't want to put words in God's mouth. I want to put God's word in my mouth. That's the only way things will change. But God is saying through this action, I will uphold my word. Make no mistake of it. So with that, I want to take you to Genesis 15th chapter, verses 6 through 10 in the New International Version, in the NIV. Abram believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness because he believed him. God says, you're righteous. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Remember, he called him out of the land. But Abram said, and here's where he questioned God. So it's not wrong to question because he wanted some, he was trying to get some reassurance in his own spirit. I don't have time to develop that, but that's not so incorrect. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord. Look how he approached him though. Oh God, oh, sovereign Lord. How can I know that I will gain possession of it? I'm questioning here, question mark. So the Lord said to him, Okay, bring me a heifer, and bring me a goat, and bring me a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. That's five animals. And Abraham brought all these things to him. He brought them out, them in two, and arranged, he cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Here's the way the covenant ceremony was carried out. He took these animals. The reason he did it this way, so get it clear in your mind. God didn't just come out of this out of his mind thinking, this is what I'll do. He came with this agreement because Doc, that's what Abraham understood. Abraham understood the blood covenant because all those nations understood blood covenant. So God operated in that which they knew, which means to me God will not operate in something that you do not know, especially when he's trying to get you to go in a direction. He wants to, he wants to operate in something you know. Abraham understood blood covenant. You may not like it, but that's what they did and are still doing in some of these nations. So he took the animals and says, you want to know how I'm going to do this? They cooked the animals, the heifer, 
cut it in half and laid it out. And then he took the birds and left them whole. God walked in the midst of the blood covenant. Let me read this. He appeared like a fire. Abram, he put him in a deep sleep. And he walked in the midst of the covenant. You say, well, what was he doing? Well, the same thing I would do if I was cutting a blood covenant with another nation. You walk in the midst of it and you pronounce what you're going to do. The terms of the contract. Oh, forget signing something. You're walking in the blood. And you are now naming what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. The terms of the agreement, you're walking in it. We think we do a lot when we come to church. These people are putting their life on the line. And they're walking in the midst of it. And God says, this is what I'm going to do. That's where it's going to go. He said, you want to know how I'm going to bless you? This is the way I'm going to bless you. So understand, get a visual of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, making a covenant with a man called Abraham. But why is that important? I'm going to show you. We've already clarified it, that God did it in such a way that Abraham would understand it, right? And he also walked there and he announced the terms. He announced that he would do this for Abraham. Now watch this. Not only for Abraham, but for his seed. Remember that. Why? Because Abraham was a man that walked in agreement with God. And because he walked in agreement with God, God said, let me show you how I'm going to uphold my word. And something that Abraham understood, he said, I'm going to cut a blood contract with you that cannot be broken because God is not going to forfeit who he is to break a covenant. So, Father, oh, God, God in heaven, I wish I could walk in this blessing you can. You can if you will only stop. This is something the Lord put in my spirit. He said, if you'll stop arguing and start agreeing with me. We argue with God instead of agreeing with God. The Lord says something to us, we argue with him in our spirit. He said, you really want to see the blessing? You want to see the power? You want to see the good life? He said, then quit arguing and start accepting. Start agreeing. Because there's power. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? So you're wanting a prayer answer, but you're not even walking in agreement with the one who can answer it. So it's not going to happen. If you go to your tax consultant and you do not agree with your tax consultant, then your taxes are going to be messed up. If you go to your doctor and do not agree with your doctor, I'm going to promise you, you think you're a better doctor than him, you're going to mess up. You have to come into an agreement. He said, quit arguing with me and start agreeing with me. You say, I don't argue. What are you talking about? I'm a Christian. That's the worst. I don't argue. I question that because what is your action saying to me? What does your action say? Because with your actions, you are arguing with what God asked you to do. You're showing me. I mean, your child can tell you, I love you, Dad, Mom, and I'm obedient, 
and then go out and do whatever they want to do, their words are meaningless. Am I right? The words are absolutely meaningless because with their actions, they're showing you they are not obedient. The Bible says in Hebrew, the sixth chapter, and then NIV, sixth chapter, verse 13 through 17, when God made his promise to Abraham, here we go. When God made his promise, this is how powerful it is. Since there was no one greater for him to swear by, because in those days they'd swear by something. He couldn't find anything greater than himself because he's God. He swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, what's that key word there? Thank you. Many of us, we pray a prayer and we say, God, it better be answered here in 30 minutes or I'm out of here. God, I've came into this, I walked into the church today and I expect a blessing and I want it in the first 15 minutes because I got to make it to a Braves game. It ain't going to happen that way. God will say, well, excuse me, you go to your Braves game. I'm going to move when I want to move, how I want to move. That's just the way God does. I've watched him before. I've literally watched him do things like this before. So after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. He got it. Men swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all the argument. But God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, and he confirmed it with an oath. God has made an oath. He made an oath on the cross of Calvary. Let me just jump ahead a little bit. And he sealed it with the blood of his only begotten son. Sealed. And blessing, I will bless you. Yesterday I was exercising a little bit. I know that's hard for you to believe. I heard the Spirit say to me, the way of a transgressor is hard. The way of a transgressor is hard. I said, but God, I'm... McKean's kid. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. He said, again, the way of a transgressor is hard. I said, would you like to clarify that? And he did. He said, I don't make it hard on you. He said, you have to hear me on this statement. This came straight from God. He said, I never make it hard on you. You, my friend, make it hard on yourself. So the way of the transgressor makes it hard on himself. I hope that strikes home because it hit me hard. When you realize that he's not saying, I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to crush you. I'm going to damage you. He's saying, you're doing it to yourself. The way of a transgressor is difficult. It is hard. But he sealed a power on that cross that day, far greater than the one God cut with Abraham, although that's irrefutable. You can't change that. Matter of fact, Galatians 3 verse 6 says in the NIV, consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand. Then, watch this, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. 
which means we are recipients of the same promise that he made starting at that blood covenant on that dusty hill right to the cross of Calvary. It all stands in agreement. And I can feel the Holy Spirit right now. I'm telling you, when we come into an agreement as a church, powerful things are going to happen. You say, well, I'm going to tell you something, Bishop. I'm hearing about the Ashbury Revival, but watch what's happening. I said, so my daddy taught me this. He said, son, never chase after revival. People just chase after it. He said, seek the God that can bring revival. So I don't chase it. Because number one, it becomes, when I chase it, it becomes a fad. It's not faith anymore. It becomes, I want to be a part of the fad. I don't want to be a part of a fad. I want to be a part of faith. I'm not against anything. I'm just telling you what the Lord is dealing with me on. I'm in covenant with God, so I'm going to seek the God that can bring revival. Do I want to see it in here? Yes. But it starts in you, in your heart, in your life. It's got to burn inside of you. Because if it doesn't burn inside of you, all the burning I'm doing will not change a thing. I can get down here and crawl on this floor and pray 24-7, and I'm going to promise you it will not change one thing in this church until you get down and you start to pray. And you get in your own prayer closet and you start talking to God. When you start to walk and do your exercise, and not only exercise, you start talking to God. You start praying to God. And when that happens, things will change because it changes in you. Then the covenant starts to work. Yes, I want to be a part of revival. I've, I've been a part of many of them. Do you understand how important it is for you to walk in covenant with God? That's the only thing he respects. Is that you, see, we want to see God's part of it. Let's see God's part. We're walking in the midst and God's making all these announcements, but you forget you're a part of it too. And he keeps his end of the bargain, but you've got to keep your end of the bargain too. What do you mean? You've got to love him. You've got to honor him. You've got to revere him. You've got to agree with him. You've got to walk with him. So I don't want to do that. Well, you're in trouble. You understand now that because of Abraham and we believe in God, we walk with Jesus Christ, it, we become the children of Abraham through faith. So we are a recipient of the covenant. So God, everybody say God. God is bound and determined that we should be like-minded. If he keeps his word, he wants us to keep our word. The Bible says in Psalms 25 verse 12, the NIV. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? Now watch this. It's important. Revering the Lord, respecting God, walking in agreement with him. That word means those things. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. What's he talking about? God's going to instruct you. He will spend his days in being poor. Oh, come on. What did it say? Louder, everybody. He will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants and his descendants and his descendants will inherit the land. Now watch this next verse. This is key. Because you respect the Lord, because you fear the Lord, because you walk humbly before him, because you walk in agreement, the Lord confides 
How many people know what confide means? You got a friend, you kind of whisper or something. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. And buddy, once you know that covenant, nothing shakes you. Nothing alters that. 